1: Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans. I'm the host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. We have a very, very special guest with us today. We have Daniel Lobo Guerrero, who is the Senior Manager uh, for Licensing and Government Affairs at Sport Radar. And if you don't know what Sport Radar is, it is a huge company, I believe uh, uh, based in um, Europe, but is making uh, a major push into the United States and has signed some really big deals Uh, with some sports partners and some leagues here uh, for providing data and other uh, betting analytics and which we're going to get into. Daniel is a lawyer with uh, mergers and acquisitions, sports and corporate uh, experience. So uh, Daniel, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Jeremy. Pleasure to be here.
1: No, I really appreciate it. Um, So let's talk a little bit about your background. So um, when we were talking about prepping for the show, so uh, and you, it's so funny, you were like, hey, Jeremy, I have an accent, you know, it's <laughs> just, just a heads up. And <laughs> we had a good laugh about that. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and, uh, and really how you got your, your start into sports.
0: Sure. Uh, so yes, as you can probably tell from my accent, I do have an accent. Uh, so I'm orgi- originally from Colombia in South America, from Bogota, the capital. I used to do MA and and corporate work at um, one of Colombia's biggest law firms. Uh, but I've always had sports in my mind. Uh, my graduation thesis uh, at law school was around uh, soccer players and how their rights were being uh, violated, let's say, uh, by certain standards that were currently happening in professional soccer in, in Colombia. So I've always had that passion. I've played sports all my life, soccer, tennis, golf. Um, so fast forward three three years into the law firm, I started thinking about what my future might be. And obviously, I landed at sports, um, which are honestly what I love the most in in the world. So I started looking at different opportunities in the U.S., and I fortunately landed on a dual master's at Columbia University in New York, uh, where I did uh, sports management and international sports law. So that was like my first step into into the sports industry. And then as part of that master's, um, you had to do uh, an internship. And I landed my internship at Sport Radar, uh, which honestly, uh, before that, I wasn't very much involved into sports betting. So it was amazing for me to enter into a new market, a new industry I had no idea about. Uh, And now fast forward, I've been with the company now for a little less than four years.
1: Wow. No, that's great. Well, tell us, tell us it's such an interesting background. And I love how, um, you know, I often tell people follow your passion and it's, you know, your passion was to help athletes and to be involved in sports. And here you are, you know, providing opportunities for, um, you know, for your company, but uh, obviously sponsorship opportunities and things that are, you know, uh, to indirectly benefit athletes. Right. And, and provide a good sort of sporting environment. Uh, tell us a little bit about sport radar as a company. Um, you know, a lot of folks I think are in the United States are starting to get to know what Sport Radar is, but can you tell us a little bit about the company?
0: Sure. Um, to keep it very brief, uh, Sport Radar was founded initially around 2001, um, in Switzerland, uh, as you correctly mentioned, uh, it really sort of adopted the Sport Radar brand in 2007. Um, and since then it's been, um, a really fast growing, um, Company as uh, sports betting has taken off mainly online in Europe. The company has grown organically with the market. Uh, so, in a nutshell, what we provide is a series of different services, both um, to operators as well as the media uh, side of things. So, we provide, for example, on the media side, we have customers such as Google, Yahoo, and Facebook for which we provide simplified uh, data. So, for example, who scored the box scores that you see when you type in a a game at Google, that box score that you see that's provided by us, Uh, the points scored by by a player, that's all our data being provided to those um, companies. So that's on the media side, which is sort of like the small baby of the company. And then on the sports betting side, which is the big brother, Uh, We provide a wide range of of products, both directly to operators themselves, but also to third-party providers, um, betting platforms specifically. So we provide, for example, the raw data, the odds. We also have um, agreements with certain leagues under which we can provide our streaming, what we call audio-visual services, which is streaming of the games. Uh, so that the sportsbook can offer the odds, the lines, the betting. And on top of that, you see a a little streaming for sports that uh, you might not be able to have in your TV or your local streaming services, like third division ping pong or ping pong in Ukraine, stuff like that. Um, We also have other variety of more sophisticated type of products um, where we go even to our, I guess, more complete product, which is MTS, which is managed trading services, which is for small uh, operators, which don't really have a trading house in a trading team in-house. They sort of hand over that trading to us. Uh, So we manage all the risk, we manage their odds, their lines. Um, We recently, as of almost uh, two years ago, we acquired a betting platform. So um, that's definitely another addition for our sweep of products. Um, But yeah, in a nutshell, that's what we are Um, on the sports betting side of things. We provide almost all the biggest players that you know of, DraftKings, FanDuel, William Hill, MGM, um, PointsBed, all the major players are partnered with us. Um, So yeah, the company has been growing at a very fast pace and it's been such a fun ride seeing how specifically the U.S. market has been expanding uh, for the past three years when the federal law called PASPA was overturned and now it became, uh, it allowed states to decide on whether or not um, to legalize sports betting.
1: No, that's, um, I love that background, Daniel, that's um, a really good job. And it's, uh, it's one of those things, right, where Um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I should, uh, I'm thinking we should have recorded that, you know, but we are recording, you know, (laughs) I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking that, you know, it was such a, uh, a good background on PASFA and everything else that that's gone on. And, you know, it's so funny when I think of sport radar, I think of you guys are kind of like the, the, the father figure, or kind of like the grand, the, the granddad, right? Because you're the ones that sort of providing the data, which is so important to do the betting and to understand analytics and all that, but then also, you know, to the other things with regard to sports betting, the other products that you guys are providing. I mean, those things are so important to some of these other players, right. To draft kings and everybody else. So it's really nice to see uh, sport radar as a company, which has been familiar, you know, to people involved in sports for quite some time, but now, especially here in the States, as you mentioned, and, it's such a big deal because, uh, you know, it's the NFL, uh, there was an article recently talking about, uh, you know, they want $100 million a year for their next data deal, you know? So, um, you know, these are, we're talking about, you know, a lot of money sort of going in and going out with for some of these deals and, you know, Sport Radar is, is right there at the, uh, at the forefront. And of course, this is not to mention a lot of the SPAC deals that have been gone on, right? And some of that discussion there too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, just jumping off the SPAC, uh, you probably saw DraftKings um, go public via the SPAC route. Uh, They've been doing extremely well, if I'm not mistaken. I think since they went public, their uh, stock price is up around like 30 to 40%, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So yeah, and you've seen um, a lot of also interesting, I guess, articles, let's say, around different uh, betting and sports betting um, stakeholders looking going public either through the traditional IPO route or through um, the SPAC route, which seems to be like the current trend right now.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Good point. Um seems to be like all the, all the rage, right? It's like uh, all the excitement. I jokingly refer to SPACs as sports uh, uh, purpose acquisition companies versus uh, special purpose, right? Because it seems like everything is sports these days with regard to those. And even to the point, I think where, what was the SEC securities and exchange commission came out and said, Hey, just because, you know, uh, sports and entertainment talent gets behind a SPAC doesn't mean that it's a good investment, you know, but, um, so kind of like that, that sort of, uh, general warning, but, um, but the DraftKings one, you are absolutely right, is such a, is such a big deal. So um, I guess transitioning just a little bit, tell us a little bit about what you do at Sport Radar. So we mentioned that you're an attorney, um, you know, you've got some M&A and sport and corporate experience. But um, what, what, what are some of the things that you're doing at Sport Radar currently?
0: Sure. So I basically try to see it as four different verticals. The first one to give you a clarity of how things work is because since PASPA was overturned, now states are looking into legalizing sports betting, right? So one of the things we do on that first vertical is once we start seeing that the certain a certain state's legislator uh, or legislative uh, arm is moving forward with sports betting bills, uh, we reach out to them. We present ourselves. Um, We introduce ourselves and basically sort of try to facilitate an understanding of what the sports betting industry is, Uh, because, as you can imagine, it's pretty technological. Most of the legislators are well into their 60s and 70s. So um, our goal there is to basically A, present ourselves and B, like, sort of explain to them how the sports betting industry works so that they can draft, uh, I guess, the best possible framework for uh, legal sports betting to work in their states Um, so that's sort of like the first vertical that we work on that I work on the second one is once um, a bill a sports betting bill is passed into law um, well you have the regulator come in and they have to draft the regulations right similar to any other industry like marijuana or even the liquor industry you have the regulator is really the one that goes into the weeds, into the depth of how the industry is gonna work. So staying there, we reach out to the regulator, we introduce ourselves, uh, obviously this time more into the weeds as to how it wa- works, what products and services we offer, how that fits in into what they're thinking, uh, answer any type of questions around how the market works, uh, restrictions that they should have in place or not have in place. Um, So that's sort of like the second vertical. Um, The third one is once regulations are are passed, um, because it's a highly um, regulated industry, uh, gaming and sports betting, uh, what they do is uh, the regulator has to license um, almost all the stakeholders involved, right? So all the way from the operator uh, down the chain to the suppliers. Um, So that's probably the area where we, I spend more time on, which is basically having those conversations with regulators, understanding their licensing requirements, understanding what information they want from us, uh, what forms, what people have to submit information. They are pretty significant and they go really, really, really into your ownership, who's involved, the individuals of the company, the financials, criminal records, et cetera. So it's a pretty lengthy process normally around one to two years uh, for each state. And then, yeah, and then one uh, sort of parallel to that is the, the fourth vertical I work on, which is compliance to keep uh, the license. So once you got your license granted, um, there are certain compliance items that you have to keep in mind and be aware of and keep notifying regulators uh, to keep your license to be able to continue to operate in that state.
1: Wow. You know, it's, it's funny, Daniel. I mean, I love how you broke it down into the four like, different quadrants, right? In the four two different verticals that you have. And it's interesting on the compliance one, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't realize with regard to sports betting is that there is a ton of, and as there should be, right? A ton of background uh, sort of work done on compliance. You know, before an operator can get into a space, before you can broker any sort of deals, you know, if you recall, which I'm sure you do, you remember right, you know, right before PASPA was essentially overturned by the U S Supreme court, there was some teams that were NFL teams or whatever that were uh, brokering deals with DraftKings, And I remember they quickly had to, had to uh, back out of the deals because um, there was still this sort of federal restriction on sports betting. And people thought, well, we can't really be, you know, having a sponsor with a sports betting company. If you don't, if you're not allowed to do it from like the legal standpoint, right. It'd be like, like you mentioned the, you know, the marijuana example, it wouldn't be proper for let's say a college or university to sign, you know, with a CBD dispensary or, you know, something like that uh, where there's a legality issue versus let's say Nike or, you know, Adidas or whatever. So um, really good point on your part. I mean, that, so that compliance thing is a pretty big deal then uh, in your experience as well, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, regulators um, I don't want to say strict, but they are very strict on the measures they take and the background investigations they do and the and specifically the ongoing compliance uh, that each stakeholder in the industry has in place uh, to abide with the rules and regulations um, that are in place.:
1: Yeah. And, and what's your experience internationally, if you can talk to that? Like, is it pretty similar across the world? Or is it is it a lot more so here in the United States, especially because it's a new thing?
0: Yeah, I would say the U.S. is one of a kind, for sure, given how uh, the system is set up with each state being, I guess, to a certain extent, autonomous and having their own laws and regulations. Um, just to give you an example, for in Colombia, you just have one overall overarching law and one over overarching regulation and that applies to the whole country. So in the U.S. what you're seeing is sort of like a puzzle or a patchwork of, of different setups and different laws and regulations. So navigating uh, that has been quite interesting I think for everyone that's entering this market for sure because what you think or what is applied in new jersey is different to what is applied in indiana to what is applied in michigan or illinois and also all those other states that are legalized in sports betting they all feel a certain need in that my personal opinion to have like their own personal dip personal stamp on how the industry works
1: yeah no, it's, it's, I wonder if maybe the United States can learn from Europe in, in many ways, right. In that way, in terms yeah, of. Yeah. Europe
0: is exactly like Colombia: one law, one con- one regulation for, for each country, which I think, I mean, facilitates things, honestly.
1: Yeah. Or the allows. industry. Yeah. Like it allows for a quicker and it's like a similar discussion with like, you know, name, image and likeness stuff. Right. And, and the whole college athletes thing is it like, should it be one law? you know, for the entire country, or should it be, you know, one for each individual state? And it brings up a lot of interesting arguments and discussion and, you know, streamlining or not streamlining and, um, and all that. And of course, the next big thing is going to be protections, right? It's like, okay, making sure that people are doing their compliance and licenses are being given out properly. And which it sounds like you're like in the in the midst of all that, you know, with your role. Um, so, Changing gears a little bit, Daniel, uh, and for the folks who are joining, uh, we have Daniel uh, Lobo Guerrero, who's the senior manager of uh, licensing and government affairs at Sport Radar, which is a uh, probably one of the largest uh, sports betting uh, data uh, companies, sports betting and data companies in the world, and doing a lot of deals here in the United States with DraftKings and FanDuel and a bunch of other companies. Uh, he's a lawyer with uh, merger, mergers and acquisition experience, sports and corporate. Uh, so we're changing gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of entertainment, media, and sports. Like, What are some kind of industry trends that you're, that you're kind of seeing now or that you might uh, sort of look to the future and, and not be surprised to see?
0: Sure. I think there's a lot. I mean, I think the sports industry has a lot going on right now. Um, I can mention a few from the top of my head. I mean, of course, um, very simple sports betting. I think the more states legalize sports betting, even worldwide, you're also seeing other countries, big countries like Canada. China is looking into it. India is looking into it. A lot of South American countries as well. So I think in my personal opinion, nothing creates more fan engagement than when you have money on the line. Um, And what that triggers is basically increasing viewership, right? So that increase in viewership in itself then transforms to bigger deals for the leagues. So, for example, uh, recently, the NFL signed uh, new media rights with a couple of different broadcasters, such as ESPN, CBS, Amazon, uh, which was roughly evaluated around $110 billion for the next 11 years. Um, so sports betting is definitely going to be one of those up and coming and continued trends that you'll see for the next five to 10 years. Uh, the next one, I think, largely is blockchain technology. I think uh, for the past years, uh, and we'll do so more in moving forward, is the industry has recognized that a blockchain is capable of revolutionizing revenue streams and fan experience. So top of my head, you have, for example, Bitcoin, right? And cryptocurrencies. They're, you're starting to see how they're being incorporated and accepted as payment methods. Um, you see, for example, teams uh, like um, the Dallas Mavericks, for example, which obviously you have Mark Cuban as a tech uh, fanatic and industry leader. Um, they're the first uh, NBA team to accept cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, for tickets and merchandise, right? So uh, I believe, for example, the Sacramento Kings also accept Bitcoin as a payment. And you start also seeing how those um, sports clubs and organizations are using cryptocurrency to pay players and transfer fees, and even allowing fans to purchase tickets and merchandise through that. So I think Bitcoin, Cryptocurrencies are going to be huge moving forward. The blockchain technology in itself, I think, is very interesting in terms of providing security and assurances. For example, when you're selling tickets, you know who you're selling it, who the ticket holder is. So it definitely creates a more secure and transparent uh, ticket exchange markets. Um, Sort of like a sister or brother to cryptocurrencies are uh, fan tokens, which are also becoming very popular nowadays, which are basically tokens that uh, leagues and teams are issuing uh, w- where fans can buy those fan, those fan tokens. Um, and what they're getting basically is uh, a digital asset that represents your ownership of a voting right. Uh, Obviously we're not talking about voting rights for the company or stuff like that, but this does give you, for example, voting rights for unique club specific rewards and experiences such as, for example, what color um, will the kit design be, the name of the training ground, picking charity initiatives, that sort of stuff you're starting to see leagues and teams uh, allow fans to purchase those tokens. Um, and most importantly, what I like about this fan tokens is that uh, they're fungible, meaning like uh, other cryptocurrencies, they can be exchanged for goods. Right. So, for example, I can certainly see a situation where, for example, like I said, the Dallas Mavericks releases their own fan token, uh, w- which allows fans that purchase it to make those decisions that I mentioned, but also, for example, uh, get a VIP suite paid by those tokens, uh, by merchandise, by tickets. So those fan tokens to a certain extent are like teams creating their own digital money, uh, which I think is a very positive initiative for teams. And I think fans will definitely dig a lot into it. Um, And then, yeah, I guess the last one that's recently got a lot of traction are NFTs, right? The non-fungible tokens. Uh, I think right now they're the hot topic, especially in the art world. Um, It's very similar to fan tokens in the sense that they also are like digital certificates of ownership. Uh, But the difference is that um, an NFT is not interchangeable, right? It presents like uh, a unique digital item. And in sports industry, the one that I've seen recently that's getting a lot of traction is NBA's top shot. Um, That's a company that's basically selling NFTs, which provide uh, a collection of NBA licensed digital items. So basically uh, highlights of a specific player, a specific play, you get the right to that sort of digital item. Um, And because it's unique, you're the only owner of that specific Token or digital item, I would say. So those are, I guess, on the cryptocurrency blockchain type of area that I think are the three main areas that are taking a lot of traction right now and will definitely get a lot more moving forward. And then lastly, tied to cryptocurrencies is sponsorships, right? I think as the industry becomes more comfortable with the concept and uh, what you mentioned around the legality of it, you start seeing teams uh, having an official cryptocurrency partner. Uh, I believe the UFC uh, had Litcoin as an official cryptocurrency partner for a heavyweight fight back in 2018. Um, I believe ESPN also made a a sponsorship deal uh, with uh, US Bitcoin payment processor BitPlay. So yeah, I think definitely um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain are huge moving forward. Um, the other big area I think that's getting a lot of traction and will do so moving forward are esports right I think esports will continue its rapid evolution Um, they've come a long way since they started I mean they were seen as sort of like an underground culture type of things electronic sports and now they're a mainstream industry worth billions of dollars today Um, it's impressive you see uh, big players such as Amazon uh, they purchased the leading video streaming right for esports called Twitch. Uh, obviously, with Amazon behind it, Twitch has grown to a major, major, major uh, player in the industry of esports. Um, and yeah, I guess esports just in itself, because of the audiences they attract, the new generations, and uh, I guess older generations um, start passing away, I think esports will continue to grow even more. I have here uh, a quick fun fact that I think will surprise a lot of people and is that in 2019, uh, the League of Legends, which is an esports competition in their final, their world competition, they had 21.8 million average minute viewers. And if you compare that, for example, with the MLB World Series of that year and the NBA Finals, Uh, It's very similar. MLB had 23 million viewers and the NBA Finals had 15 million viewers. So it's definitely already toe-to-toe those major players. Um, So it's very interesting. I, myself, used to play a little bit of one. uh, It's called Counter-Strike back in the days, like 10 years ago. I never thought it would be where it is right now. Uh, But it's definitely exciting to see how it's been growing. Quickly, I think the two big areas, additional areas are streaming, right? I think it's no secret that cord cutters are in, um, that the new generations don't like TV as the old generations do. So I think that as more cord cutters come into play, um, streaming services have to continue to improve in quality and speed because it's definitely the future and the present of how to watch sports. And then the last one, I think, and this is my personal favorite, is that, uh, and I I might be a little romantic here, I believe that sports have a higher calling and a big part of play in making the world a better place. So I think we need to validate sports as an enabler of social and economic development. Um, One of the ways I've been trying to figure out and reading about how sports can achieve that is, for example, I saw a group of individuals that are looking a way of measuring how sports impact, for example, uh, the sustainable goals set forth by the United Nations, right? Which are basically to end poverty, protect the planet, and ensure all people enjoy peace and prosperity. So it's very interesting. I think it's something that is undervalued or undermined and people don't really pay so much attention as they should. I definitely feel and think that sports are a a great educational tool and specifically right now in a time where discrimination and hatred uh, seem to have become day-to-day news sadly I definitely feel that sports are one of the few aspects of life um, that have the power to unite and heal everyone and I guess just to close this rambling, uh, I, I want to quote here, I have a quote from Nelson Mandela, which is a personal idol of mine on this specific topic of how sports can unite the, 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 the world really. Uh, so this quote says like this, it says, sports have the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire, the power, power to unite people in a way little else does. It speaks to youth in a language they understand. Sports can create hope where there was only despair. It is more powerful than government in breaking down racial barriers. It laughs in the face of all types of discrimination. Sports is the game of lovers. So I definitely love that quote. I mean, definitely summarizes my personal opinion and thoughts and love for sports. Um, So I definitely feel that as more attention is grown into the impact that sports can have to make the world a better place. Um, I think hopefully investment in sports as a general will increase uh, once people start seeing that it has the potential to be a tool for social and economic change.
1: I love that, Daniel. I appreciate the quote there too, by Nelson Mandela. Um, That's awesome. It's a lot. You gave us a lot of really good information there. You know, when you're talking about, Um, you know, I've always thought too, that sports is the the great equalizer, right? It's, you put everything on the field, you perform and the result is the result. Right. And in that way we can all combine and sort of, um, and, and it just seems like people are happier around sports. People engage better around sports, right? Um, they find more commonality in sports, I think is, which is great and, so I think it's fantastic. I love all your comments to Daniel about, you know, the expansion of betting and uh, the, the sort of the issue of engagement, you know, you have so many people, especially as you mentioned the younger fans that are not engaging with content. And so if you can get into a situation where maybe you have a small wager on a game, maybe it makes it more interesting. Or, you know, even this idea of um, was the NHL and uh, PGA recently came out with, uh, these 99 cents uh, snippets where you can watch like live look-ins for games or just see the snippets of a game. But everything you mentioned is fantastic. And um, I'm going to take, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then Daniel, we're going to close out with you. And I've got one more question for you, if that's okay. So we'll take a Perfect. quick commercial break. Okay. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CanonCast15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off. That's CanonCast15. Canon, clearly better. All right, so Daniel, we're back. So thanks again for that last session. Uh, really, a lot of great information there. Uh, hope people listen to that last session with regard to. Your thoughts on the future of entertainment, media, and sports, and um, and how sports is a a great sort of um, a great way to bring us together and to to look at issues differently. And I want to uh, close with maybe some words of wisdom that you can share with with our listeners as to how to break into sports and sort of maybe just some words of wisdom of life in general. <laughs>
0: well, how to get into sports is definitely the million dollar question, <laughs> for right. sure. I mean i know it's like i said at least for me and i know it applies all across the board for a lot of people is sports is their passion right it's some people literally breathe and live with sports so my recommendation would be honestly patience one would think that the sports industry is very big um it is in terms of the industry as a whole but in terms of the people that are in the industry i have come to learn that it's quite small and that making small connections here and there, uh, especially when you're starting to look into entering the, the market, the industry goes a long way, right? Um, so yeah, I guess patience is my word for everyone trying to start the, in tap into the industry. It's not easy, uh, but definitely find what you're looking for the sports industry is huge there's a lot of different areas that you can enter into marketing sponsorship stadiums sports betting uh virtual sports um etc the 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 industry has a lot of areas um so yeah just figure out which one you want to enter and be patient with the process it will definitely pay off
1: i love that daniel and so everybody, this has been Daniel Lobo Guerrero, uh, a gentleman and a scholar. We love we love having him on. He's just a really good guy and, and really appreciate, uh, Daniel, your time and and your expertise. And um, uh, it's such a blessing to have you on and, and you've given some really good wisdom here. Uh, so again, folks, this is Daniel Lobo Guerrero, who um, is a Mergers and Acquisition in Sports and Compliance Uh, attorney with Sport Radar, which is one of the largest um, uh, sports data and betting companies in the world. So again, Daniel, I appreciate you being on and um, look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Absolutely. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. So thanks again. So everybody, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate you listening in and have a great week. Thank you.